Oh, yeah. There we go. John Fogarty. Great song. Center field. Love it. Love it. Love it. And I love baseball. And, uh, boy, you know, it doesn't seem like it. we got freeze going on. And maybe the furthest thing from your mind right now is baseball, the first pitch. But let me tell you something. We are only, I think, exactly 29 days away from the opening of LSU baseball. They'll be taking on VMI on Friday, February the 16th at Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bergman Field at 2 p.m., and that will begin uh, their effort to try to defend their national championship. Boy, what a team we had last year. It was a just a great season with a phenomenal finish. And if you're an LSU baseball fan, it's time to start talking about it. Love to hear from you. Do you think they will be able to defend that national championship? They've got some big shoes to fill. And also, uh, where do you think some of the strong points and weak points will be for the LSU Tigers. You know, uh, about a week ago, I was up in Baton Rouge at the grand opening of a Rouse's Day. I was talking with Marcy Nathan, the promotions uh, director, and Tim Acosta. And I ran into this guy, Hunt Palmer, the LSU Sports Radio Network and midday host of ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge. Uh, you hear Hunt on WWL on the pregame and postgame when LSU plays. And also, you hear him uh, doing some of the baseball broadcasts. And we got to talking and said, you know what? It's time to talk a little baseball with about LSU. So he joins us now to do just that. Hunt, thanks for taking some time to talk about LSU's baseball season coming up with us. Trust me, I'll talk about LSU's baseball season whenever you want. <laughs> I'm with you. I love it. I love my football, but, boy, baseball is really special at LSU as many sports are. Well, you know, I think the best place to start is, is talking about some of the people who will be returning that they did not lose. And uh, we had a couple of honors, several honors that went out. Uh, you know, Travinsky, Hayden Travinsky is number 13, and outfielder Mac Bingham is number 17 on this top 50 college seniors list. Now, uh, we, we're pretty much familiar with Hayden Travinsky and what he's all about, but Mac Bingham, where did he come from? Who is this, and what do you think about him? He came from Arizona. Uh, he played with Jay Johnson there for a couple seasons um, and was a, a contributor early in his career as, uh, as an Arizona Wildcat. Jay Johnson, of course, came to Baton Rouge two years ago. Bingham stayed and has played a couple years. But he's got one year left to play uh, and decided he wanted to come, like a lot of the best players from the Pac-12 are deciding to do these days, uh, come to the SEC to play his final year. So Mac Bingham is an outfielder. And as you would imagine, for a player that comes back for his senior year, not someone that's looked at as some sort of elite-level pro prospect with great, great tools. He's just a good college baseball player. Uh, Jay Johnson has compared him to Gavin Dugas in the past. Uh, not the fastest guy, not the strongest arm, not going to hit 30 home runs, but he's uh, give you a good quality at bat. He can play a solid outfield for you. And I think he's going to hit towards the top of the order, maybe first or second in this LSU order, and, and play one of the outfield spots, either center field or, or over and right. So, um, he'll be in the starting lineup, I would imagine, from day one, and they're going to count on him to be a, a pretty key contributor on an offense that's lost a lot of production from last year. All right, Mac Bingham, keep our eyes on him for sure. Uh, Travinsky, Hayden Travinsky, we've got Hayden Travinsky and Alex Malazzo, two both very experienced catchers. Uh, who do you think is going to win out? Uh, you know, Travinsky had it at the end of April, and uh, he was very instrumental in the 2023 nas- national championship, but so was Malazzo. Who would your pick be, or would it be similar rotating the two? It'll be rotating three, actually. Uh, Hayden Travinsky and Alex Malazzo will do some catching, and Brady Neal is healthy now after he was the starting catcher last year. He, he won that job as a true freshman right uh, from the start of the season uh, and, and was the starting catcher into SEC play. 
had a couple of really impressive home runs um, in, in SEC play. One against Hagan Smith, one of the toughest left-handers in the conference. Uh, one against Chase Burns, who has got as good a stuff as anybody in the country. It was an up-and-down offensive year, but then he got hurt. He hurt his back, and he couldn't play the rest of the season. He went up to Cape Cod to play summer ball, played for about a week. The back kind of acted up again, so they shut him down. And he didn't do much at all in the fall either. But he's back healthy, and he's a really talented kid. They're going to see if he can play a little bit of third, play a little bit of second, and, and catch a little bit. They're not going to ask him to catch three times in a week. That's good news that you've got those two seniors in Travinsky and Malazzo back there as well. So, obviously, Neal's the, the, the best talent of that group. Malazzo's the best defender, and Travinsky's got the, the powerful bat, and he'll play some first base and DH as well. So, they'll, they'll have a blend there at catcher, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, we are very, very uh, blessed at, at the p- catcher position, no doubt, going into this season. Uh, we also had four other Tigers that got some honors. They were in the top 100 college juniors by an organization called Perfect Game. That included LSU third baseman uh, Tommy White. He's number nine. Uh, pitcher Thatcher Hurd is number 18. We're familiar with both of those guys very much. But right-handed pitcher Luke Holman number 28, and left-handed pitcher Gage Jump, number 43. Uh, what can you tell us about those four players? Tom well, White, I think everybody knows. He drove in 100 RBIs last year, uh, and it's going to be potentially the best hitter in college baseball and should be a pretty early draft pick. He's the force in this lineup right now. They've got to find guys to hit in front of him and five guys to protect him behind him. But he's he's the dude in this order for sure. That's her herd. Had a bumpy start last year to his, his time at LSU, but settled in, was phenomenal in the regional. Uh, struck out 14 uh, in that game against Oregon State and was fantastic up in Omaha as well. Started the national championship game and was, was brilliant in that game. So he's a guy that is very likely a first-round pick. He's probably going to be the Friday night starter to start the season. And they don't need him to be Paul Skeens, but they need him to be uh, really, really good. Luke Holman... Uh, probably for LSU fans, the the best way to, to know Luke Holman is to remember when Alabama's coach got fired for gambling <laughs> on baseball in Baton Rouge. Luke Holman was the pitcher scheduled to pitch that night for Alabama that was scratched that led to the big bet being placed at Ohio and all hell breaking loose in Tuscaloosa. He was their ace. He pitched uh, game one for them in the Super Regional against Wake Forest and held his own against the number one team in the country that day. Uh, he's six foot four and throws 96 miles an hour and is is a proven weekend commodity in the SEC. Whether that's Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, we'll see. But he's he's got that kind of pedigree. And I was having a conversation with someone inside the program last week before they started practice this week. They told me Gage Jump might be the best pitcher on the team. Uh, Gage Jump was the number one left-handed prospect in high school out of California a couple of years ago. He went to UCLA in the same class as Thatcher Hurd. Got hurt, had Tommy John surgery. It's been about 17, 18 months since that surgery, so – he was healthy enough to pitch in the fall and is a full go right now. He's left-handed, 6'2", 94 to 96, fastball and, and good breaking stuff. He's a really, really talented prospect. And that's that's kind of the strength of this team for LSU right now is the, the front line starting pitching between Hurd, Holman, and Jump. That's you know a pretty good one, two, three uh, to, to, to push off the dock with. Well, that is certainly a big change from last year's start where uh, pitching was a little shaky and really came on strong towards the, 
the championship run at the end of the season. But getting back to Holman uh, from Alabama, I guess he was their number one starter. And uh, we got another Alabama player that defected here, too, Cade Woods. I had the opportunity of actually going hunting with him on a a new TV feature we're going to be doing called Tigers in the Wild. Uh, What an excellent gentleman, as well as Alec Malazzo. Uh, Looks like those two are going to be really good additions to the staff. Yeah, I think uh, Wood is is going to be a bullpen piece for LSU. A little bit of an undersized in terms of height, right-handed pitcher, but good life on his fastball into the mid-90s. That used to be very, very rare in college baseball. The guys would throw 94, 95 miles an hour. Now it's, it's kind of the norm uh, in the bullpen. That's, that's where he fits. He was a, a competitor and a good bullpen piece for an Alabama team that made the Super Regionals last year. And so um, you can never have too many quality arms. He's one of them that LSU will, will gladly take into the season. We're talking with Hunt Palmer of the LSU Sports Network and also the midday host on ESPN Radio up in Baton Rouge about LSU. Can they defend their national championship? If you'd like to participate in the conversation, our phone line is open at 504-260-1870. You can also shoot us a quick text there, too, if you'd like. Uh, Hunt, while we're talking about pitchers, uh, boy, enormous boots to fill from Paul Skeens for sure. Uh, Sam Dutton's returning. He's a junior. Nate Ackenhauser, uh, Javen Coleman, and Christian Little. Um, where are these guys going to fit in? And how do you th- you mentioned that you think that the starting pitcher rotation will be the strong point for the Tigers this year? No doubt, and and those will be some of the guys who fill in on the back end. Ackenhausen, of course, last year was just phenomenal in the spot start against Tennessee, where he he held down a quality Tennessee lineup and allowed LSU to continue to advance through the loser's bracket. Uh, he missed some time in the middle of last year, but he's healthy and ready to go, and they'll lean on him as a left-hander out of the bullpen for sure. The other guys have, have had their ups and downs uh, in, in their times at LSU and right now are probably a little bit down the pecking order, but the stuff is there. I mean, Christian Little can throw 96 miles an hour with a good slider. He was quite poor at the end of last season. I don't think that's a secret to anybody, but he was very good in the fall. And so he's always been a guy that the scouts have loved. They loved him out of high school. He went to Vanderbilt and was thought of as, you know, the next dude over there at Vanderbilt and never quite worked out. He came to LSU for a change of scenery. And so he'll, he'll give it one more shot and see what happens. Sam Dutton, kind of the same deal has been kind of a guy that is, is started some Sunday games in his career as a freshman. And then last year was towards the back end of the bullpen. We'll see what he can give them. But depth is, is, is something LSU's got uh, in a big way on the mound. Very good. Hunt, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about the rest of the lineup, uh, who will be some of the likely starters, who will fill some big voids that are being left in last year's championship team, and also get you to comment a little bit about NIL and the portal. How does that affect college baseball? If you'd like to join the conversation, phone and text line is open. It's our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. It's 504-260-1870. I'm Don Dubuque filling in for a hunting Newell Norman right here on the Big 870 WWL. And it's Don Dubuque filling in for Newell Norman uh, today, tomorrow, and Friday. He's on his annual hunting trip. Good luck to Newell, and I hope he stays warm while he's doing it. We're talking a little baseball here. The LSU National Champions from 2023 will be kicking off the 2024 season in 29 days. They'll be taking on VMI. It's a home game in Baton Rouge, and from then on, it's wide open. Seems like it kind of slipped up on us, and it's time to talk more about it. And if you'd like to do that, we invite your calls and texts at 504-260-1870. Our guest is Hunt Palmer 
LSU Sports Radio Network, midday host on ESPN and Baton Rouge, and arguably the most knowledgeable guy when it comes to LSU baseball around. Uh, Hunt, we, we kind of talked about the pitching. Let's talk about some of the position players. Uh, we're very strong at catcher with the three guys you mentioned. But, uh, you know, i got some really big shoes to feel, fill. Uh, in the outfield, of course, Dylan Cruz. We'll get to that in a minute. But on the infield, Jordan Thompson is gone. And I would have to say that was one of the most improved college baseball careers I've ever seen. He had some rough times, but he really came through last year. Uh, also, uh, Brandon uh, Joe Bear uh, is gone now. He played a little bit at third base, probably mostly in the outfield. Uh, and I got a question from a listener. Where is Gavin Guidry? Uh, so we, we talked about you know, Tommy White, and uh, there's still some other positions that had to be filled. What's the infield going to look like for the Tigers? Yeah, you're missing a lot of production there. Obviously, Cade Beloso moving on, um, who, who was huge for you last year. Gavin Dugas, a stalwart there uh, on the team for four years and, and played a great second base for you last year. And Jordan Thompson, as you mentioned. At shortstop, they brought in a transfer from South Carolina named Michael Braswell, who was a really highly thought of high school prospect. Had a pretty good freshman year at South Carolina. Last year didn't hit very much, uh, but he's a really good athlete and a pretty good defender. And Jay Johnson saw something in him when LSU played South Carolina in Columbia last year. And when he went to the transfer portal, uh, they jumped on him pretty quickly. And Braswell had a great fall swinging the bat. They were really impressed with him. And he was so good that Jay Johnson said coming out of the fall, like, that's our shortstop, no questions asked. So he's won that spot. Second base, they've, they've got some options over there. Um, you mentioned Gavin Guidry. I don't think that's one right now. Um, Gavin Guidry is going to be a pitcher for LSU for the foreseeable future. He was a really good hitter at Barb and the state player of the year. Um, but he has not hit uh, in two falls at LSU and then an early spring last year. So he factors more in as far as the bullpen goes. I think there's a real chance that Josh Pearson is the second baseman for LSU. Of course, he played left field last year, played some right field the year before that. He's been an outfielder in his time at LSU, but I think they think they can maximize themselves offensively by moving him into the infield. So that's the same thing they did with Gavin Dugas, who was an outfielder for a couple of years at LSU and moved into second base. I think you're going to see Josh Pearson there. And at first base, I think that that's Jared Jones' job for right now, um, that Hayden Travinsky might play over there a little bit. Uh, I can see a situation where Jake Brown, talented left-handed pitcher and hitter, um, would play a little bit of first base, but I think he's probably headed for the outfield uh, as a starter there. So I think you're probably looking at an opening day infield of Jared Jones at first, of um, Braswell at short, Tommy White at third, and then at second, uh, Josh Pearson. What happened last year to Jared Jones? He, he started off with a, a you know really good hitting streak, and then something happened. I don't know if it was a mental breakdown or uh, some kind of problem with the team or coach, but he, he just seemed to fade away of there for a while. What, what do you have any inside baseball, for lack of another term, that what happened to him? Most of it was the inability to hit the breaking ball. They seems figured out that he was hitting fastballs about 400 feet off the scoreboard and was really struggling with the breaking ball. And the more they mixed that in, the more he, he struggled. But guys came on. They had to get Beloso in the lineup. Um, and so that took a DH first base spot away. And they wanted to get Pearson in later on. He was giving them such good at bats. So, um, they went that direction, and they just kind of ran out of spots to put him. Travinsky needed to play, and Malazzo was catching some. So he just kind of got squeezed out. It wasn't as if he just got totally benched. There were just some guys that were performing at a higher level. So that's a, if you look at his numbers from last year, he hit over 300 in SEC play. He hit a bunch of home runs. 
Um, and that's a really good start for a freshman. So I think there's reason to believe he can be a really, really good uh, offensive player for him. I believe the key to this team is going to be the way that the four rising sophomores, who are now sophomores, perform and, and step up their level of play. And that's Jared Jones, Paxton Kling, um, Brady Neal, and uh, Ethan Fry, who's a guy that didn't play a ton last year. But if those four guys can have a, a strong progression from freshman to sophomore, that's where I think this team can take the next step. I don't, I don't have to worry about Tommy White. I'm not worried about Thatcher Hurd or, or Luke Holman. I'm not, I don't expect anything crazy from Travinsky or Michael Braswell or, or even you know, Mac Bingham. I think those guys are who they are. I think the high-ceiling sophomores like Jared Jones are going to have to be the guys that, that make this team one of the best in the country. Got it. I, will, I want to move on to the outfield here in a second, but I got a listener who wants to know what's your opinion of freshman pitcher Cade Anderson this year. Yeah, he's really talented, uh, but he's just in the mix with a lot of talented pitchers and a lot of talented left-handers. LSU for years struggled to have lefties. It was like kind of Jared Pochet and then maybe one a year. And this year they've got a ton of really talented left-handers. Gage Jump is a guy we've talked about. Um, obviously, Nate Ackenhausen is back. Griffin Herring is back. They bring in a freshman by the name of Cam Johnson, who perfect game ranked as the best freshman to make it to campus in college baseball. And so those are all left-handed pitchers that are super talented. So is Kate Anderson. Uh, so I, I think he will – they play so many games early. They've got a couple of four-game weeks, some wraparound weekends. Um, that They're going to play a lot of baseball in, in late February and early March. And Anderson will have his chance to get some innings, and if he performs well – I think you'll see Jay Johnson turn to him more. If there are some bumps in the road, there are just so many other guys that can take innings. We'll see. It's, that's just the nature of being a pitcher at LSU this season. The outfield. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a better collegiate player than Dylan Cruz was. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. I can't bring to mind anyone who I think would be better than him. But it looks like if what you say is right, Josh Pearson moving to the infield, uh, who does that leave out there? I mean, Paxton Kling had a good amount of playing time last year, but beyond those couple of guys, uh, who do we expect to see out there? So I think Kling will absolutely be out there, and I think Mac Bingham will absolutely be out there. Um, and then the name that has surfaced from fall baseball that I did not expect, kind of the inverse of Gavin Gidry, is Jake Brown. When they signed Jake Brown last year as a freshman, I thought, all right, another really talented left-handed pitcher they brought in, which is true. He's a really talented left-handed pitcher, but – he hit so well in the fall from the left side that they started saying, well, this may be a guy that we can plug in the outfield. They're looking for left-handed bats. If you look through the guys that are, are pretty well locked in to starting positions, Travinsky, Malazzo, Jared Jones, uh, Mac Bingham, Michael Braswell, Tommy White, Paxton Kling, all those guys hit right-handed. So they're looking for left-handed bats. Brady Neal is one, and Jake Brown is one as well, and that's a guy that – could factor in um, and should factor in pretty early as an outfielder. Um, Ethan Fry is, is someone that they like in the outfield as well. Um, and so that's probably the first four guys. If I had to bet right now, though, opening day would be Kling, Bingham, and Jake Brown in the outfield. What about Mike Paul? Uh, they were real high on him as a freshman coming in, but I don't hear much about him lately. Yeah, Mick Paul and Zeb Ruddle, a couple of uh, left-handed hitter, scrappy outfielders. Uh, who are probably not the talent level, ceiling level guys like Paxton Kling or Jared Jones or Ethan Fry would be, but are certainly guys who, like I said, they're going to play a lot of baseball in, in the first uh, first 25 days of the season. 
and they'll, they'll get some opportunities, but I think those guys are, are depth pieces on this roster right now. Very good. Uh, stay with us, Hunt. We're going to take a break. When I come back, I, I want you to kind of give us your estimation of who the, 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 the fear will be, the big guns in the SEC this year that uh, will be also vying to head to the national championship. And also the, the portal, how in that, and also NIL, name, image, and likeness. How are those affecting LSU baseball? Hunt Palmer's our guest. If you want to talk with him or shoot us a text message, got a question about anything dealing with LSU baseball, He's here to handle it for you. 504-260-1870. We're back right after this. And we're talking baseball. We're talking baseball with Hunt Palmer, the LSU Sports Radio Network and midday host on ESPN Baton Rouge and very knowledgeable about the Tigers baseball. Uh, Hunt, you kind of filled out what the lineup's going to look like, and it seems like LSU is the beneficiary of the transfer portal. We've got Luke Holman from Alabama, who is basically their, their top ace guy. Uh, we've also got another pitcher. We've got Cade Woods. Uh, you mentioned Gage Jump, uh, who I, I think uh, the recovery from his injury, and maybe they know something uh, that we don't, uh, you know, will determine the success of his season. How else has LSU been affected by the transfer? Have we lost any? I know we lost a couple of football players, but uh, over the past couple of seasons with baseball, how has it affected LSU baseball? I mean, it's been an overwhelming success for LSU baseball. I, I could tell that the second the rule went into place, um, because despite what we may like to think down here in, in South Louisiana, there aren't that many schools that care a lot about college baseball, and LSU is obviously one of them. And so what this has turned into is if you have a good season at a lower-level school, whether that be NC State, Arizona, and I think those programs would, would scoff at me saying lower level, they're power five conferences, but the fact is that the SEC is, is the king of this sport. Um, they end up coming to the SEC. We saw it with Jacob Berry uh, the first year under Jay Johnson. We've seen it with Thatcher Hurd and Tommy White, who were two of the you know, big-time prospects in their freshman draft classes that have ended up at Baton Rouge, and it's happened elsewhere. I mean, Braden Montgomery is the number the best player in the Pac-12 um, who went to Stanford and was a two-way star for them, and he now plays for Texas A&M. Um, it's become – the rest of the country has become a farm system for the SEC. I don't know how healthy that is for the sport to have the SEC up there just dominating in Omaha every single year. Uh, I liked when Cal State Fullerton and Stanford and uh, Long Beach State and some of those schools were showing up. Um, but those days are dwindling because there's so much money and so much interest and – NIL money down here for college baseball that the best players in the country are going to going to show up here. So LSU will lose players every year into the transfer portal. That's part of it. They're just going to lose the bottom of their roster and then reload towards the top of it. And you've seen that now three years in a row under Jay Johnson. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon under these rules. So the LSU and, and the rest of the world and the SEC is, is just massively benefiting from, from this. Agree. You mentioned NIL, name, image, likeness. Uh, I have uh, gotten to see a whole different side of this thing. We, our TV program, Bayou Wild TV, we're, we're doing some Tigers in the Wild episodes, taking some LSU athletes out, and I've gotten to know them and gotten to see them, and some of them have formed LLCs. They're becoming business people. I think they'll learn more about dealing with clients and, and economics and, and, and negotiations than they ever would in the actual university through NIL. But how is that going to affect LSU compared to other schools? And maybe the jury's still out, but I'm thinking 
uh, whoever has the best NIL offers, that's going to help. You know, and then you've got the transfer portal. They'll, they'll jump in a heartbeat if they've got some financial uh, incentive as well as, uh, you know, in, the exposure that they'll get if they're looking for a major league career. LSU because LSU has proven that uh, if you come to Baton Rouge and play for LSU, one, you've got a community around you that's very interested in college baseball and you become a high-profile college athlete, where if you're a you know, baseball player at Stanford, you don't become a high-profile college athlete. Uh, you do at LSU. Look at Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and Tommy White and all these guys and the exposure that, that they've gotten at LSU. And you've got, a, like I said, a community that supports it and, and business people that are willing to to pay you to endorse their products and be a part of, of what they're doing moving forward. So um, it, it's LSU is one of the few places in the country where you can make that happen. You can do it in College Station. You can do it in Oxford. Uh, you can do it in Gainesville. Um, but there just aren't a lot of places outside of Southeastern Commerce where that's a possibility. And so it's it's a big health to LSU to, to have that opportunity. I mean, you're just, just not going to make a lot of money playing baseball at, uh, at Boston College or North Carolina State. You can at LSU. Your opinion on the future of NIL for the sports itself. I'm sure the wheels are turning, and I understand that there's some states that are working towards using government funding in some manner to, you know, filter it through to players, and it's going to become even more competitive. Um, In general, do you think it's a good or a negative thing for college sports? I think it's it's good um, because there have been college athletes that, have quite frankly deserved a little piece of this pie over time. Um, do I think that some athletes expectation of what they quote unquote deserve is a little out of whack right now? Yes. We've seen players go into the transfer portal all over sports and then jump right back out because they realize, Oh, never mind. Um, so I think that the market will settle down. I think right now boosters are going crazy spending money because this is the wild, wild West and it's a new thing. But that first time you, you spend the $14 million on the football team and they go eight and four, and you go, wait a second, we got to do this again? But we just paid all those guys and they're gone. Then we, now we have to do this again? All of a sudden you start to realize, well, maybe that's not the best investment. So it's not going to stop. Pandora's box is open. I do think that to some extent it will slow down a little bit. Um, so, look, if, if you're one of these people that thinks it's ruined the sport and you hate it, um, you can turn it off. The fact of the matter is that most people are not, and it's not going anywhere, so you might, might as well just kind of settle in, get used to it, and, and watch your team play because um, once you say you can pay them, you can't take it away. No, the genie's definitely out of the bottle. Uh, Hunt, would you give us a little uh, forecast on the SEC opponents? Who do you think is going to be the biggest obstacle, the toughest team that the Tigers will face this year? Uh, have you had a chance to look at the SEC teams? I have, um, you know, briefly, and, and things change so quickly. But, look, Florida's going to be great again. Uh, Jack Caglione, who was just sensational last year as a, a pitcher and a home run hitter, is back as, as the favorite for SEC Player of the Year. Arkansas is, is healthier. I mentioned the name Hagen Smith earlier. He's potentially the number one college pitcher off the board in the draft this coming summer. He'll, he'll lead their rotation. And Dave Van Horn's always got a, a lot of talent offensively up there as well. Um, so those are going to be two really, really good programs. Uh, Tennessee continues to assemble talent up there, and they probably underachieved last year, and that starting rotation outside of Drew Beam is gone, but um, they've got a lot of talent as well. So I think those are the three teams I would look at uh, towards the top of the league with LSU. 
And then I would probably toss Vanderbilt in there as well. Um, they're going to have to hit more than they did last year, but they've got uh, they got some real talent on the mound. So it's the usual suspects. And somebody will pop up uh, last year, Bama and South Carolina were probably a little bit better than we thought they would be. And somebody will be that way uh, this year. But one thing that LSU fans don't have to worry about, uh, they're not going to be this year's Mississippi State slash Ole Miss who won a national championship and then fell off a cliff the next year. Uh, Jay Johnson's got this thing uh, moving right along, and LSU will be right there in the hunt for the Southeastern Conference Championship and ought to be playing some pretty important games in June. Uh, you took the words right out of my my mouth. They will definitely be in the hunt. As far as uh, national championship forecasting, I haven't seen any early picks or you know rankings. Have you seen anything as far as where LSU stands in becoming uh, or defending their national title? They were number four in the uh, the first D1 baseball poll uh, yesterday that was released. Wake Forest at the top spot. Um, they did lose, obviously, Rhett Louder, who was so good in that Louder versus Schemes game in Omaha that Tommy White walked off to send LSU to the championship series. He was a first-round pick. They lose him. They lose their biggest bat in Nick Kurtz. But they do return some real thunder from that lineup, and they added Chase Burns from Tennessee, who is as talented as any pitcher in college baseball. So uh, they'll be they'll be in the mix once again. And, uh, again, and LSU was right there in the mix of about five SEC teams in the top ten that should be making a lot of noise. So, um, it'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get it started here in a little bit under a month. Yeah, well, hon, I got to tell you, you're a fountain of knowledge when it comes to LSU baseball and really enjoyed having you on. And uh, I don't get to talk baseball much on the radio. And when I do, I'll certainly be uh, be contacting you to do it again. Thanks so much for being with us, and we look forward to hearing you on the LSU Sports Radio Network broadcast. You got it, Don. Thanks. All right, Hunt Palmer, you can catch him on LSU Sports Network and uh, Midday Host also on ESPN Baton Rouge. Are you all ready for the Tigers? I am, even though it's uh, been 17 degrees over here last night. uh, Still thoughts of turning to baseball. All right, coming back after this, we'll get to some of your text messages and tell you what's coming up in the noon hour. I'm Don Dubuque filling in for Newell Norman, who is on his hunting vacation back with more right after this and welcome back into the newell norman show i'm don dubuque guest hosting this week while uh, newell enjoys uh, his annual hunting trip all right our text line and phone line are open for you 504-260-1870 coming up in the next hour david cresson is going to join us and you may have heard uh, he and i discussing a very important issue uh, the pogey boat or menhaden industry in louisiana he is the director of the Louisiana Coastal Conservation Association. And back in October, the Wildlife and Fisheries Commission uh, made a decision. They went with a notice of intent to establish a one-mile reduction harvest buffer zone. In other words, they would have to stay, the boats stay off of Louisiana's coast within one mile, except for some special areas, Grand Isle, Rutherford Beach, and Holly Beach. They would put in a three-mile buffer. Uh, The public comment period for that has ended. The final commission decisions are expected maybe next uh, two weeks on the February commission meeting. And then if, in fact, they proceed and go forward with it, then uh, there'll be an opportunity for legislative oversight. Well, there's been a new governor has been elected. There are new Department of Wildlife and Fisheries commissioners, a new Department of Wildlife and Fisheries secretary, whom we hope to have on this week and do an interview with her, Madison Sheehan. And there's also now some new Natural Resource Committee members in the legislature. And those are the folks that will determine the fate of the Menhaden industry. 
and David is going to come on and tell us about maybe some of the changes and also bring you up to date on if you're not familiar with it, it's been something that's been ongoing. It's a problem affecting our coastal restoration. Uh, it's depleting the population of marine mammals. There's uh, redfish are being indiscriminately caught in the nets and, and dying. Uh, some of their nets have had so many fish that they've actually had to cut them loose and abandon them, which they did not report. Uh, David will tell you the whole story on it and ask you if you would contact your legislator, if you choose to do so, to put these more sensible regulations in place and get us more in line with the uh, our neighboring states as far as how they handle it. So that's coming up in the uh, noon hour. Right now, let me get back to some of your text messages here. Let's see. We've got uh, one coming in with regard to the LSU. It says, I love that NCAA LSU baseball starts right after the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not into basketball, they say. Tigers should be competitive, but the new guys will be relied upon heavily to produce. Yeah, If you listen to our conversation with Hunt Palmer, uh, there's several big spots that need to be filled if they are to defend that national championship. Uh, here's one that says, affectionately speaking, I could see Newell wetting his front sight with a lick thumb to glisten <laughs> like Jed Clampett did. That's from uh, RBT Anding. Uh, you know, I wonder how many people even remember who Jed Clampett was. If you know who the name Jed Clampett rings a bell, text me, 504-260-1870. I also want to mention again, and I've talked about this at the top of the show, uh, we had a, a, a dog go missing. This is a hunting dog, but it's a very special dog that is shared between its its relationship with its owner. Uh, it was lost on Monday in the area of Rabbit Island, which is near the intersection of the Wrigley's Pass and the Intercoastal Waterway. A dog went in to retrieve a duck and just vanished. Uh, no sight. They've put up infrared drones. There's been people searching and looking. Uh, no success at this point. Uh, a friend of the owner of the dog uh, is anonymously putting up a $2,000 cash reward for anyone who can safely return Abby to its owner. Abby is a black Labrador retriever, had a collar with an ID on it, also had a life vest and uh, has not been seen since Monday in that area. Uh, if, in fact, you find the dog or you have information on the dog, please contact me. You're welcome to do that at don at wwl.com. Or you can send me a direct message on Facebook page, and uh, we will see that you'll get your prompt reward. I think uh, the, the donor told me it would be the best $2,000 I ever invested. So if you want to help try to find Abby, uh, that's the area. If you happen to be fishing out there, hunting out there, keep an eye out. All right, uh, again, when we come back after the top of the hour, we're going to talk to David Cressel. Some of the things we're going to hopefully talk about uh, during the week, uh, next two days, uh, I've been extending an invitation to Madison Sheehan, and a lot of people are are shocked and upset uh, that, that Governor Landry would appoint a 26-year-old uh, person from South Dakota with no experience in Louisiana's outdoors to come here and head up uh, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Um, I've talked to her briefly. She was excited to come on. She wants to hear uh, some of the, the concerns and issues that the sportsmen are dealing with. And also she give her vision of uh, a lot of people would like to see that department totally revamped. Uh, I've been covering it for almost 40 years, and i got to tell you, uh, there's a lot of dissent. Uh, there's a lot of disappointment. The morale is bad. The leadership was certainly left with a disgrace. She's got a big job to fill, 
And I say, well, let's give her a chance. Let's see what she's got before we make any decisions. All right, so stick around. We'll be back to talk to David Cresson, Executive Director of the Coastal Conservation Association, right after this top-of-the-hour news break.